Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. Look at, uh, open up to 2 Samuel chapter 9. And that's where I'm going to spend my entire time. I think I shared part of this passage like two and a half years ago at Crestwood. But the Lord has just really uh, been breathing on it this week. And there's some new stuff from it. I'm excited about it. But I, I really, I'm sorry. Yeah, kiddos, you can go with Miss Taylor. I'm so sorry, huh? Just need to, yeah. Huh? You had it up behind. Oh, I'm oblivious. The Lord's really good, and believers need to remember that He's really good. And we need to remember <laughs> the absurdity of His goodness, because because He He some of His goodness does not make sense, but He does it anyway, and so. Um, Hang on. Second Sam, this is going to bother me, so give me just a minute. Second Samuel 9, I'm going to read the first 13 verses. So if you didn't read your Bibles today, you're in luck because I'm going to read it to you. <laughs> hey, uh, then David said. Is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I might show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant in the house of Saul named Ziba, and they called him the David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. The king said, Is there not yet anyone in the house of Saul whom I might show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, And Ziba said, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Emiel, in Lodabar. Then King David set, sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Emiel, from Lodabar. Uh, uh, verse 6, Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he said, Here is your servant. Verse 7, David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and will restore to you all the land of your grandfather, Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly. By the way, that means every single day. Okay? You shall eat at my table regularly. Hmm. Verse 8, And he prostrated himself and said, What is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? Then King then the king called Saul's servant Ziba and said to him, All that belong to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. You and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him, and you shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so that your servant will do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. Hmm. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, 
And all who lived in the house of Ziba were servants to Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth, <laughs> such a hard name. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate at the king's table regularly. Now he was lame in both feet. I've been praying about what to share today because it's Father's Day. And, and, and I know for, for some this is a hard day because you, you've lost someone or, or, or your earthly dad wasn't a great dad, okay, or, or whatever. And then some, you had wonderful fathers. And, um, and, and so I've been praying about how to share this, how to approach this morning. Uh, because I, like I just got so overwhelmed about midweek that the Lord really just wanted to remind us of his goodness again. Now, in this story, there's lots we can pull from, but I'll just say this to kind of just get right into it. The, 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 the father isn't concerned about your resume. He is not concerned with how you look. He's really not concerned. I think we should care what others think, but we shouldn't be obsessed with what others think. In, in other words, like we, we should be above reproach, which causes others to think well of us, but we shouldn't do it from a point of view in which we're obsessed with what they think of us. Does that make sense? Okay. And, 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 and the father is extremely obsessed with bringing sons and daughters to his table. And not only just bringing them to his table, but allowing them to stay at his table. Like, like we, 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 sometimes we sing this song, Fight My Battles, and it says, you, you've prepared for me a table before my enemies. That's actually Psalm 23. Like he makes this table and he says, would you come and sit? And, and, and then Jesus in the New Testament asks us to come to his table when we receive communion, when we partake of his blood and we partake of his body. And, and we really just reflect on the sacrifice he's given us. And, 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 and the table is it's such a powerful image because, like, like I've made this joke before, but, but like how many of y'all had to sit at the card table as a kid in the other room while the adults sit at the big table? <laughs> right? Like with the Lord, he says everyone sits at the big table and that everyone is welcome at the big table and there really is no card table anymore. Okay, there is no card table in the kingdom of God. Sorry, those who like to gamble. But uh, that was funnier. <laughs> And he's always looking for more to sit at this table. And let me, let me say this. Like, he's always looking for more to sit at this table. And I believe that he's always wanting that those that are already sitting at his table to actually become aware that they're at his table. There, there's a lot of believers that, that have given their life to them, that, that, that love God, that, that serve God, but don't realize where they're sitting at. And I believe he wants to remind us of that this morning. Look, look at verse 3. The king said, is there not yet anyone in the house of Saul to whom I might show the kindness of God? This is the father's heart to show and demonstrate his kindness towards his people. I'll say that again. This is the father's heart to demonstrate and show the kindness of God to his people. 
That's why when the Israelites left Egypt, the Lord blessed them. Why? So that the nations around them or the people around them would say, their God must be real because he has blessed them. The Lord does desire to bless his people. And we need to be okay with that. This is not a prosperity message, although it is a prosperity message, okay? Our prosperity is him. Our prosperity is God with us, right? So, 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 so we need to be okay with this. So he likes to demonstrate his kindness towards his people. And Ziba said to the king, there is Jonathan, or there is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both of his feet. Now, if you know the Bible, Jonathan was David's best friend. And he was more than a friend. He was like a brother to him. He was actually closer to David than his biological brothers. And like, <laughs> which that's, in, that's interesting to me. I mean, there, there's, I love my family, but then there's family that I've chosen to be my family. Okay, and that's, that's kind of what that is. It's like, you're not my blood, but I'm going to love you like you are. So he says, he made a promise to, to his best friend. He said, I'll take care of your family. And David, you know, there's this, David remembers this and is like, is there someone in his household that I can hold my word to, that I can bless? And so Ziba says, yeah, there, there is a son, but he's crippled. And, and, and. In other words, he's, he's almost useless. He's unable to go to war, and he has absolutely zero anointing whatsoever. That's what he's saying there. And I want to say this, that, that your own crippledness, my own crippledness, does not disqualify me from sitting at his table. See, see what he ends up doing is he takes my crippledness, and he says, sit at my table, but that crippledness or my weakness, it makes him be proved to be strong. And it brings him honor and it brings him glory. Now, crippledness, don't hear it like this, though. Because the tendency would be like, well, this is my shortcoming, so I'm going to walk in my shortcoming. Your shortcoming doesn't necessarily bring God honor and glory. Your sin doesn't bring God honor and glory. <laughs> but your lack of ability and your lack of anointing does. All right? And so, so here's this man that's unable to go to war, that has no anointing for anything, and David wants to seek him out. And that's just so like God. That's so like God to say, the one that's not picked, the runt of the litter, that's the one that I want. He does it all throughout the word. Like Moses, he had a speech impediment. He used them to, to lead the people out of out of Egypt, right? And, and through the wilderness for 40 years and to the edge of the promised land until Joshua took over. He, he, he had, um, uh, goodness, he had Noah, which was deeply flawed, right? Noah, Noah survived on the boat and then he gets drunk. I mean, like, like some of you are like, if I was locked in a room with my family that long, I probably would too, but <laughs> sorry, we can joke. He, he used Paul that persecuted Christians to write two-thirds of the New Testament, 
right? He used Peter, who always put his foot in his mouth and said stupid stuff that preached the greatest sermon that was ever preached right after Pentecost Sunday, right? He used, his brother, he used James to write the book of James, which is kind of like the how-to guide to be a Christian. And James was essentially a legalist. <laughs> and, and he used this man to uphold, the man that kind of looked after the law, he used this man powerfully. All throughout the word, David, he wasn't, he wasn't perfect by any means. I could go on and on and on how he uses imperfect people and says, if you would be willing to sit at my table, I'm going to transform you. See, even though, even though Mephibosheth had no abilities, the king still pursued him. And that, that's a picture of John 6.44. 6, this says, no one can come to the Father. Or let me rephrase it. No one can come to me. This is Jesus saying, no one can come to me unless the Father first draws him. So it's not like, like I understand when we say I found God. But really, it's God found you, and you, you're like, oh, I was lost, but now I'm found, okay? It's, 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 and, and, and no one can come to him and say, I'm just going to pray the prayer so I can go to heaven. No, no one can even do that unless the Lord starts to search something in their heart, okay? And so it's always the father drawing first, and, and, and David saying, I'm going to go after the crippled, that's a type and shadow of what the Lord wants to do right here and right now. He says, I want to go after those that don't deserve to be gone after. And they're going to be my people. All right. And the father goes, not only does he go after the cripple, he goes out of his way to go after people. Like he's all about inconveniencing himself. Yesterday, April and I were, we, we, went, for, we went for a walk. We, I like to make the joke now that every time I go for a walk with my wife, that I'm afraid people's going to call the police because there's a short, chubby, bearded man following about 10 steps really hard after her and can't quite catch her. I think everyone thinks I'm trying to get her. <laughs> but we went for a walk and then we drove a little bit. And then we're like, well, we should have went to this one place. And we didn't go to that place because it was now about four minutes out of our way, which really is not much out of our way. But we did not want to inconvenience ourselves. The Lord looks at things and says, it's no. And we ended up where we thought we were going to go anyway. So, so the Lord, the Lord, he doesn't care about inconveniencing himself. That's actually a picture of, of the woman at the well in John chapter 4, that Jesus took the long way around to go get a single woman because he believes that people are worth it. So, so verse 4 says, so the king said to him, where's he at? So I can bless him. Ziba said to him, behold, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Lodabar is a city east of the Jordan River, and the whole area is a barren wasteland. So he's like, well, he's in a wasteland. He's in a desert. It actually means the place of no bread. It means the place of no supply, the place of, of, of no provision, the place of, of, of like, you got to be an idiot to go to that place to after someone. But it's because Mephibosheth was hiding. Why? Because, I mean, historically, if you watch any movies, you should know this, that when there's an overthrow in the government or when a king is usurped by a new king, what do they do? They kill the entire family off. That's how he ended up crippled anyway, because his little maid lady 
or is, 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 she took him when he was a child. She was trying to flee for the light. She dropped him, and that's how he got crippled. So it wasn't even his fault he got crippled. It was a product of circumstance. So he's hiding because he's fearful in the desert. And I would propose to you that a lot of us are hiding in self like, I think there's a time when the Lord draws us to the wilderness, and the wilderness is a good thing. And then there's a wilderness that we say, I'm going to take myself to, and I'm going to isolate, and I'm not going to be near anyone, and I'm going to feel sorry for myself, and I'm going to do this, that, and the other. And you're there starving to death in the place where there's no bread. Why? Because you've cut yourself off from the Lord and the Lord's people. I just need to be alone. No, you probably need to be with people more now than you've ever need to be. And we all know people that do this. And so he's out isolating in this place. And David's like, oh, okay. So he's in low to bar. I'm going to go after him. I want to tell you this. If you feel ill-equipped, ill-prepared, unqualified, unworthy, whatever it is, that whatever lie you have agreed with that the enemy has whispered, the Lord's going to come after you anyway. Hmm. And when the Lord finds us, he's like, I don't know, he's like, not only like, here I am, <laughs> but here's all of me. It's not, here I am, now let me let, it's, it's like, here I am. That's why Jesus in John 6, 35 says this, I am the bread of life. Now, again, Lodabar is the place of no bread. Jesus says, I am the bread. <laughs> so wherever he is, that's where home is. He says, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and they will not ever thirst again. Now, that's kind of odd, too. Like, if I eat bread, I'm going to be thirsty. <laughs> right? Jesus says, if you eat me, if you eat my bread... Not only will you not be hungry, but you won't be thirsty. So he meets everything that we need if we would just accept him and, and follow him and love him and serve him. And so here's this picture again of this barren wasteland. And the Lord, he comes to the barren wasteland, wastelands. And, and it's, like, it's like sometimes when the Lord shows up, we're like, well, I needed him to show up this way. And oftentimes the Lord shows up in a complete opposite way that you wanted him to. And he says, here's my bread. And we're too, like, I, I, I didn't need that. I didn't need that. I didn't need it. I need this. I need this. And the Lord's like, would you just take this bread? Yes. Come on. Come on. is <laughs> only found in him. Amen. <laughs> so Sustenance is only found in him. Let's say this. The longing that you may feel is only found in him. The long, I mean, and, and we live in a world that perpetuates longing, right? And actually, we, we live in a world that tries to get you not to long for anything because it's instant gratification. But if you're willing to long, you're willing to wait for it. Or, 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 or April says this, that you linger for what you long for. She says that all the time. And I'm like, stop, that's really good, but it, I don't like hearing that. But it's the absolute truth. You, you, you wait on what's worth longing for. And, and so, so oftentimes the thing we're like, if I could just do this. Let, let me phrase it like this. And I'm not thinking of anyone. I'm just, I'm just trying to be on. A new job is not going to feel that longing. 
New friendships will not fill that void. More money will not fill that void. More friends will not fill that void. More likes, hearts, and laughing faces on social media will not fill that void. The only thing that will fill that void is Jesus Christ himself. And, 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 and the moment that if we could be like, that's who I need, or not, not he's not of that, but who I need is him. If, if I would just begin to long after him, a lot of these other things that I feel myself in need of become inconsequential. No, we need money, we need friends, we need jobs, but, but we don't obsess over them. I cut us off today. We were going to sing a song, Christ is Enough for Me. And like we can sing stuff like that, but, but do we actually believe that? When we say, you are my everything, do we actually mean it? And I don't say it to be mean. I'm saying, like, that's the Father's heart. Like, the Father's heart would, would be like, Bob, can I use you for one minute? You can take your arm off your wife for just one second. <laughs> okay, what, what I want you to do is face them. Now, let's just pretend that he's Jesus, because he's got a nice, thick beard. Okay, so he's Jesus. And what the Father desires from his people is to do this. Now, don't you dare drop me. <laughs> do you understand what it's I'm saying? It is a lot of leaning. But he desires to hold us up, to prop us up, to take care of us. Thank you. You did good. <laughs> He's tired now. He's like... <laughs> like the George Costanza preachers. Short and chubby and powerful. It is. <laughs> Most of us are scared to death that if we lean in, he's going to do this. And he's not. I, I, I actually, he, he's like this. <laughs> Can uphold you with his mighty right hand. And, and it's that moment, like, I'm like, I said, I said, you better get me. And there's that moment where, there's that moment when I'm falling before I actually crash into him, where it scares the living daylights out of you. And you're tempted to go like that with your leg. And the Lord desires a people that lean fully into him. And if we could lean fully into him, we would begin to understand more of his heart and his nature for us. Now, here's, here's, here's what's really fun, I think. And this is what really, um, I don't know, the Lord just gave revelation into this this week. The Father's willing to carry us to his table. Like, it, it's, it's not me, like, climbing up into the big boy seat. He literally carries you to that table. Now, look, look at this. First of all, you're like, well... I'm not worthy. Well, Mephibosheth didn't. He said, what is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? He called himself a dead dog. It means a person of no value. Why would you even consider a person of no value? And 
And in verse 13, it says that he was lame on both feet. So even when he got to the table, he still had that affliction. And, and it says that he ate at that table all his days. So how does a crippled person get to the table day in and day out? They got to be carried in. I think this is a picture because there's never not a moment that the Lord stops carrying you. It's like, I want to be at his table. Allow him to carry you. Allow him to sweep you off his feet. I'm going through a hard time. Allow him to carry you through that time. Let him sweep you off his feet. I'm struggling in my soul, my mind, will, emotions. Allow him to carry you. It's okay to be crippled, but it's not okay not to allow him to carry you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like he really, really wants to. And all throughout his word, the idea of carrying is, it's, it's like, it's just a thread that runs through the entire Bible. It, it, this isn't like a one-time word in here. This isn't a one-time thought. This is all through. I'm just going to read a bunch of verses to you because I really want you to see just how much he carries you and how often he carries you and how that is his will for you to like, like, and by the way, like if you carry a, let's just say this, if you carry a baby, it's really easy to carry a baby that's at rest, <laughs> right? When the baby, I mean, it is, it's just easier on you and it's easier on the baby. But if the baby's like, you know, going Kung Fu on you why, and screaming bloody murder, it's hard to carry that child. Now, it's not hard for the Lord to carry us if we're doing this, but it sure does make it awful painful on us when we're kicking and flailing and white waving our arms like crazy. And if we could yield to the master's hands that want to do this to us, I think it changed everything. Look at, look at this. Exodus 19.4. Oh, man. Exodus 19.4. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. He says, I carried you on eagle's wings. Why? So that I could bring you to myself. That's, again, that's just what his heart is. Deuteronomy 32, uh, da, 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 11. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that hovers over its young, he spread his wings and caught them, and he carried them on his feathers. So not only does he carry you, but he carries you on his feathers, which is a picture of safety. The safest place we could be is if we allow him to carry us to his table. Let's keep going. This is better than we're acting today. That's okay. Amen. Drop my encouragement. Psalm 28, 9. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd also. This is David praying to the Lord. Bless your people. You be their inheritance. You be their shepherd also and carry them forever. Isaiah 40, 11, like a shepherd who will tend to his flock in his arm, he will gather lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead them. So he says, carry them, like <laughs> carry them gently right up against his chest. So it's not like he's, I mean, the, the, the Lord's not like, you know, but it's this, it's a picture of just carrying. God bless you. Come on in. So it's a picture of, of, of this tenderness 
and it's this picture of not wanting to drop, and it's picture of not wanting to hurt, and this picture of not wanting to break. It, it's, it's like it, 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 if, if you were forced to care, I mean, not forced, if you were carrying a child, you would carry the child with the utmost tenderness. Why? Because you want to hurt them. Because you want to take care of them. Isaiah 40, verse 11. I'm sorry, Isaiah 46, verse 3. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel. You who have been born to, by birth, or you who have been born by me from birth, and have been carried from the womb. Even to your old age, I will be the same. And even to your graying years, I will bear you. I've done it, and I will carry you, and I will bear you, and I will deliver you. So he doesn't just carry you when you first give your life to him. He does it even into your great years. He does it as you get older. He does it from the time that you were in your mother's womb until the time that you breathe your last breath. He wants to carry you. And he carries us, to, again, to that table that we are not qualified to climb up to ourselves. And he says, take a seat. But you don't get there by striving. You don't get there by trying harder. You don't get there by following all the rules and regulations. You don't, fit, you don't get there by being Susie Super Christian or Sam Super Christian. You get there by giving your life to him and saying, would you just carry me? And which, Lord, and I'm going to let you carry me because you're safe. I'm going to let you carry me because you're good. I'm going to let you carry me because I trust you. I'm going to let you carry me because I don't want to be carried by anyone else. Because if you're not, if we don't allow ourselves to be carried by the Lord, the enemy will do his best to drag you off. He won't carry you. He'll grab you by your feet and he will drag you off. All right. There's more. One more. There's one more. Because several of these verses Jesus actually quotes in the New Testament. Isaiah 63, verse 9, it says, In their affliction he was afflicted. And this is my, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his mercy he redeemed them, and he lifted them up and carried them. All of their days. It's not an inconvenience for the Father to carry you. It's not an inconvenience for the Father. Like sometimes, sometimes, sometimes the girls will come up here and like Michaela will make me lift her up and hold her, and then Katie does once Michaela does. It's never Katie first. It's always Michaela first. But but but. After a while, I get tired. The Lord doesn't get tired. The Lord doesn't get tired. The Lord's not like, give me just a minute, right? The Lord's like, I've got you. I've got you. And then I've got you some more. And, and the question is, is if we're willing to, to just embrace him carrying us. See, see, when, when you're carried, when you're carried, you have no right to tell the one carrying you where to take you. That's right. 
You're not, you have to yield to the one that's carrying you. You, you do. It's, it's, it's like when you, when you carry your kid, you're not like, where do you want me to take you, right? And you just do what they, no, it's, it's you're going to go where I take you and you're going to be happy where I take you. <laughs> I think it's the same thing with the father. I, I think that if we, could, if we could just yield to wherever he carries us, it may look different than where we thought he was going to take us, but it always ends up at the exact same place. It always ends up right back at his table. Where he says, I will provide food for you all the days of my life. That's what he told Mephibosheth. That's what David did. And if everything's a type and shadow in the Old Testament for the new, then you could say that again, if Jesus is really the bread of life, that if the Lord carries me to his table, he's going to continue to give me bread. And he's going to continue to give me bread. And he's going to continue to give me bread. You could even say at his table is where I get sustenance, right? From Matthew 4, 4, that man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the Father's mouth. And so he begins to nourish me, begins to take care of me, begins to speak things that transform me if we yield to his carrying. Like, I, I, I hope we get that because I, like, I've belabored here for a really long time. Because, but, but I've belabored here. I belabored here because I really feel in my heart this is where we probably struggle the most. Like it's one thing to say, oh, he's chasing after me. Like that gives me the warm and fuzzies, right? I mean, and that's why we get so wound up like singing the goodness of God, that song we just did. Your goodness is running like, like we're like, ah. Or when we sing reckless love, everyone goes, ah. You know, it chases me down. It, I can't even remember the words, but I know it says that. But <laughs> slip of me, if we played it, I could sing it. But we get wound up about that stuff. But what about when we have that collision moment? Are we willing to yield to that? Yes, come on. Amen. Come on. <laughs> That's good. It's like, <laughs> Lord speaking. It's, it's like this. It's the pursuit's fun. But the union's even better. <laughs> yeah, husbands and wives understand. The pursuit was great. But that moment of marriage, that moment of union, is where it, really where it's at. So this last point, when you get at the table, and if you can stay there long enough, that's, that's the key too. If you can stay seated at the table, because when you're, when you're at the table, if, I'm, if, if, if you come over to my house and you sit at my dining table, you're not going to eat when you say, I'm ready to eat right now. <laughs> you're going to eat when you're served. Now, we're going to do our best to get it to you as quickly as possible. Or if I go visit the Reddicks, the Red, I mean, like, we're going to eat when Jamie serves us whatever that is. Right? But we have to stay seated at that table long enough to be served. That's like in, like in John chapter 6 when Jesus did the multiplication of the bread and the fish. That it says that he gave to as many who were seated. And we've talked about that at length. See, if we can stay seated at that table long enough, 
then he begins to re-identify us. He begins to rename you. He begins to actually change and transform you, but it's willing to sit there long enough for him to do that. And, and, and so, so it's like this, verse 11, I'm all over this text, but verse 11 in 2 Samuel 9, it says this, then Ziba said to the king, according to, to my Lord, the king commands his servant, his servant, so your servant will do. So the Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. So was Mephibosheth David's son? No, he was Jonathan's son. But he stayed at the table long enough to be considered as if he was one of David's sons. So, so th- this, this is the fascinating to me because Mephibosheth, he's, he's a guest. He, he's, not, he's no longer royalty. He's no longer someone important. And David says, I know that you're crippled. I know that you have shortcomings. I know that you have no anointing. I know that you can't go to war for me. I actually know you, you're, you are a drain on the resources. You said this table as if you're mine. Some of us need to hear that word right there. That we need to sit at that, that table, despite how you think and feel about yourself, as if you are actually his child. Because you are. Right? That's that's all through the book of Romans. That's Romans 8, actually. The Lord is looking to re-identify. I actually think this. Like, you can look at this from two point of views. The Lord's looking to re-identify people that don't know Jesus as sons and daughters. And then I also believe in the church, the Lord is looking to re-identify believers as sons and daughters. Some of us walk around with an orphan mentality, like we don't belong to him. And he's like, if you would just believe that you actually are my son and that you're not like the redheaded stepchild, but if you would actually believe that you're my son or you are my girl or my daughter, then that would change absolutely everything, right? Because then come hell or high water, it's like, it's all right. (laughs) My papa's good, right? My father's good. Like we even pray stuff like that here too, because we, we, like he's, Jesus refers to him as Abba Father, which most literally translates as Papa. And some of y'all pray that way. And, and I think you have a revelation that he is that. But do we really have a revelation that he is that? Oh, man. He's looking to re-identify people as son and daughter so that he can lavish his loving kindness on them. And that word kindness, when he says, I, I, does anyone, does, does Saul have any relatives that I can bless so that I can show the kindness of God to? You know what that word kindness means? It means loving kindness. It means unmerited favor. It means blessings. It, it means multiplication. Let me read a few more because it's a, it's just, there's so much in that. It means devotion. It means glory. And it means favor. And if we could sit at that table long enough, the Lord desires to pour out his devotion. Listen to this. It's not that we're just devoted to God, but God's devoted to us. Amen. Amen. So, good. <laughs> so he could pour out his glory, so that he could pour out his favor on us. But it all starts with just that simple Are we willing 
to allow him to carry us to that table. I mean, that, that's it. That's like, that's the whole point. <laughs> Are you willing to allow him to carry you? And then are you allowed to sit at that table? Are you willing to sit at that table when it takes a little bit longer sometimes to get your order? It's not your order, but you understand what I'm saying. Are you willing to stay at that table long enough that he meets your needs? Are you willing to sit at that table when it seems like everything around that table is going to hell in a handbasket? Are we willing to sit at that table when the enemy's sitting right there and taunting you trying to get you to leave that table to go and fight him because that's what he does he's like once you come down and wrestle with me for a little while and we end up getting up out of our seat and then we miss out on the meal that's set before us he's really good really, really good. And he really desires like when we say Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that's not just his, his, his job title. Like that really is who he is. And that's who he desires to be for us. Like, I'm not just, I'm not just dad. I'm dad. He's not just father. He's father. And there is no theologically way I can unpack that other than just how I said it. He's father. And the question is, are we willing Are we just willing? Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to HopeForRiverCity.com. Again, that's Hope, the number four, RiverCity.com.